everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. Uh, it is good to be back. For those of you that attend our church regularly, I was in Israel uh, last week for a little bit over a week, and it was the greatest uh, trip that I've ever done. I, I thought it would be good, and it, it exceeded my expectations by a bunch. Uh, but I'm not going to have a slideshow today. If you were hoping for the... Y'all remember them? We're not going to do that today. Uh, but I am going to talk about it just briefly toward the end of my message. And then the next sermon series, which is called Overflow, will, will include a lot of stuff every week. Um, so about Overflow, I'm very excited about that message, uh, that sermon series. I mean, if y'all ever desire to be grateful, to have hearts that are full and what that looks like, in the month of November, Thanksgiving season is kind of why we chose that. But God did something in me last week that showed me so much more. And so I'm very excited. Y'all do not, I promise, I promise, y'all don't want to miss that. And this message today ties in so well with what the next four weeks in overflow, excuse me, five weeks in overflow in the month of November is going to do. So don't miss it. All right, so this is the last week of balance. If this is your first time, for a balanced message, that's awesome. If it's the first time you're in our church, we are so pumped up that you decided to worship with us on this amazing day. You could not have picked a better day, I'm telling you, because um, just trust me, what y'all are about to experience is, uh, and I don't mean just my message, but just the next few minutes are going to be uh, well worth your time, I promise you, because I really believe the Lord's going to move. Uh, but the first, first week of, of balance, because this is dealing with your money, how can I have balance when it comes to my money. So week one, when it comes to balance, is I've got to start with the right place, like have the right starting point, have the right starting point. And the right starting point is give, save, live on the rest. Because most of us do all these things, and if you haven't, if you haven't had balance in your life when it comes to your money, it's because we probably haven't started right. So give, save, live on the rest. Then week two, you've got to be knowing where your money's, going right you got to be knowing where your money's going and if we don't know where our money's going then we can't have balance because someone listen to this someone knows where your money's going it may be visa and mastercard and you may be really struggling somebody knows where your money's going and then week three is debt and we want to get out of debt we have to make constant corrections our right hand has to know what our left hand is doing we have to make constant corrections and if we're not doing that then we're off balance and if you're up to here in debt, doing the same thing and thinking that the results will be different, is how Einstein said, that's insanity. But so many of us do that when it comes to debt, and so we need a, a, a big life change. And those, those two things in today's are principles that are physical laws of balance. So it, this isn't spiritual. These are physical laws of balance. Like these three things you need in order to have balance, like standing up, I need those three things. And so this one is a clear objective. Today's... Today's last message is a clear objective, and by the way, I think this one kind of puts the cap on everything. It, it finishes it up, it puts the cap on it, and I think this one is the most important one. Because you can have the first three and lack a clear objective and lack the ability to go through with what you want to go through with. And I think that's so many of us. I think that's so many of us, because what a clear objective really means is to have awareness of the world around you in the proper place. To have awareness of the world around you in the proper place. And the reason that we lack, y'all check this, the reason that we lack the proper awareness is because awareness comes from what my appetite is seeking. 
My, my objective in life, this is talking about money, but honestly, it's for everything, right? We have appetites that are trying to fill something. We, we have to fill it with, so, so when we set out to do something, we have an objective. I want to, boom. I want to, boom. And, and so all of our lives, what we do is we look out and we say, I want to fill it with this. I want to fill it with this. I've got to do this, right? And, and because, because we look so hard to try to, our awareness is completely jacked up when it comes to our money and our stuff and our time because we try to fill our appetites with so many other things. I had this guy that I worked with when I worked um, construction, and his name was Ray. Uh, some of y'all worked with me, so y'all know exactly who I'm talking about and what this guy did. But I'm telling y'all, this is like the circus meets Guinness Book of World Records amazing Guy, all right? So how many of y'all watched the hot dog eating contest on July 4th? Just show me your hand. I watched that. Seriously, nobody? No one watched? Two people and me, three. How many of y'all have heard of the hot dog eating contest at Coney Island, the Nathan's Hot Dogs? And then there's like 20 of you that have never even heard of it. So this is really messing my story up, all right? So, like, what they do is they take these hot dogs and they eat them as fast as they can. And I think dude has eaten like 70, which is so weird, in 12 minutes. And you got to eat the hot dog and the bun, and they dip the bun in the water, and they eat it fast. That's gross. The guy I'm fixing to tell you about can eat more than him. So I'm not joking, like for real. So, so this is what happened. We, we were on a trip. We were on a trip, and we down in, I think it was Hartsville. It may have been something. It doesn't matter. We were on a trip, and, and uh, I'm sorry, Quincy's was an option for, for, for lunch that day. You know, when everybody's gone, everybody goes together. So he's like, this guy named Ray, I'm going to go to Quincy's. Let's see if y'all are paying attention. It's the big, fat. Guys, y'all are so bad. What's wrong? It's 11.20. Wake up. It's the big, fat. Thank you. I need a little, I need some, right? We got to get a little bit of Pentecostal, so I need y'all to talk to me. All right, big, fat yeast roll. Y'all remember you dip it in the honey butter, and it makes everybody happy because I wish I could have one right now. So we were at Quincy's, and that day they had uh, Salisbury steak. Y'all remember the Salisbury steak from whatever. Y'all can like it because I'm grossed out by it now, but... So each one weighed a half a pound, all right? Y'all with me? Each one weighed a half a pound. So if you eat two, that's kind of weird, right? That's a lot. But some of y'all and me, let me not fool you, could eat two with no problem. But if you eat 17, is that weird, right? Can y'all talk to me? Is 17 of those dudes weird? Now, y'all are thinking right now Mark's lying. And I'm telling y'all, I have witnesses that are sitting in this room. You need to say amen right now if you're a witness. Thank you, right? It happened. 17, let me do the math, eight and a half pounds of Salisbury steak. Let me repeat, eight and a half pounds of meat a human being ate in one sitting. It's weird. Because you know what goes through my mind, and I know this is weird, and I apologize. If y'all are like really formal people, y'all are going to be offended right now, and you're probably never coming back, but I love you. What did his BM look like after that? Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, that had to clog everything up. That's terrible. I mean, it's food baby times 10, so, like, it's awful. And that's not all he ate. He had other stuff I don't even remember. Like, you, you, it kind of blocks everything out. You know those moments where you're driving down the road and you, like, have the tunnel vision and life's going slow? That was kind of that. You were just watching going, dun, 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 right? And the music's playing, and you're like, there's no way you can take another bite. Then, I promise this is a true story because... So he's eating all this stuff, and at that time he had eaten other things. It's just you can't take your eye off the whatever, the meat. But 
because it's eight and a half pounds. And then he goes up, and there's a carrot cake, all right, a big, tall carrot cake, full. Y'all remember the, the aluminum pans that they came on, right? And he cuts out a piece. I'd say the piece was probably this big, all right? And I'm like, good grief, bro, is going to eat that big of a piece of carrot cake after he's done this. And he takes the piece, slides it out, picks it up, puts it on another plate, picks up the tray, and takes it back to the seat. I promise. I don't care if y'all think I'm lying. I got witnesses, right? And then one by one, little bites. Like he didn't just, ah, and this would be gross like an animal. It was little bites. One by one, it took so long. He ate every bit, every bit of the cake. <laughs> he had to eat over 10 pounds of food. That's not supposed to happen in one meal. And this is what he said. If I'm as God is my witness, this is what he said to us. I ain't even really full. And like everybody's looking at him, we're all in the van and we're thinking this is going to be so bad for us for the next four days staying in a motel and whatever that means, you know. And like, but this is what he told us. This is what he told us. Listen, I can't get full. I can't get full. I just can't get full. And I laugh at that story, man, and I've got plenty. Listen, I could talk about that dude and his appetite for as long as you wanted, because I've got, that's not the only story, and it may not even be the best story. But every time we went to eat somewhere, he, he would tell us, I promise, I'm tired of eating, I can't get full. You know, satisfaction's an interesting thing, because I can get full. When it comes to my food, I can get full. And hopefully, you guys can get full. But when it comes to our cravings, our desires, isn't it interesting that we can't get full, but we make fun of Ray and laugh at how he can't get full. It's like we, could, we should sing the Mick Jagger song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Do you know why that is? It's because our objective is not clear. We do not have proper awareness when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to our money, when it comes to our time, when it comes to what I have to obtain to receive satisfaction. That's where the proper awareness comes from, and that is how balance is capped. Balance cannot be met until I have a clear objective and I meet that clear objective. In my life, balance typically doesn't take place even when I'm trying to get out of debt, even when I'm trying to save all I can save, even when I'm trying to do everything else I can do and be proper, and I'm giving to God. Why is this still a problem? Because I don't have proper awareness. Because my satisfaction, listen, your satisfaction, regardless of what you think about me, regardless of what you think about this church, or regardless of what you think about God. The truth is you were created as a human being to bring glory and honor to God, period, end of story. That is the purpose of me being on this planet and you being on this planet. And the minute that I replace what I was purposed for with anything other than that, my objective is off and I'm jacked up. Oftentimes in my life, Oftentimes in your lives, we're jacked up. Why? Because our objectives are jacked up and we're off and we, we have awareness that's all over the place and we're just searching. And this is the search. How can I be satisfied, right? I want contentment. I want contentment, man. And this is what, this is what Paul described, but this is the one thing that I want you to take away. This is how contentment can take place in our life. Godliness and contentment. Contentment is simply, this is how satisfaction can happen. Godliness with contentment equals satisfaction guaranteed. Contentment is simply me in all circumstances of life. No matter if I'm rich or poor, young or old, tall or short, no matter what that looks like, I am at peace 
because of, in this case, the Lord. I am at peace. And so, listen, if your life is not at peace today, it's not because of what's happening to you. And some of you are going through hell on earth, and I know that. But it's not because of that why you lack contentment. It's because you don't have satisfaction in life. Why? Because godliness with contentment equals satisfaction guaranteed. And I do not strive for that. I strive for whatever I think I can get, whatever will help me. And I'm much like Ray. And it's so frustrating, isn't it? It's so frustrating. And this is how Paul described it. This is how Paul described it. In his final letters that he ever wrote, writing to his understudy, Timothy, in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, this is what Paul said. He said, verse 6, But godliness with content, excuse me, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment, satisfaction guaranteed. That is how I can look at my life and have the proper, proper awareness. Like, this is how I can have my objective be able to be met. I have godliness and contentment. I have my eyes fixed on Jesus. Everything that my desire is is to fulfill what he has put me on this planet to do. I don't have to work harder to be godly. I cannot obtain that. But when I'm in Christ, I am therefore godly because of what he is in me. And I'm content because he fills me so I can have satisfaction. But, but, most of us, we cannot describe ourselves as this. And so even though we tease about Ray, he's crazy, that's nuts, that's the coolest story ever, or the weirdest, and it is. That's us, isn't it? When it comes to our stuff, that's me. Because I cannot look you in the face oftentimes and say, if I am full of Jesus, if I've trusted him as Savior, my life is content in rich or poor or wherever I am. I am at peace no matter what my circumstances are because I believe if I get that house, I'll be happy. That's the truth. I believe if I get that car, you know what? I drive this car and if I just had that car, I think I'd be happy. That guy won't talk to me and I think if I could get him to be my man, someday marry him, I'd be happy. And I'm telling y'all, that is a recipe for hunger. That's a recipe for never being satisfied. And the truth is, you can never satisfy cravings. Do you know the only way to satisfy them? Y'all know, y'all can talk out loud. Y'all know the only way to fully satisfy cravings and desires? The only way to fully satisfy an appetite that is ravenous? Can y'all tell me? Water. Absolutely, we'll do it, especially when it, especially when it comes to um, when you fast, that's the only thing that you can have. Because whatever the desire is, if you continue to give it, the thought process is if I just get more money, if it's money, or if I just get more cake, if it's cake, I'll be satisfied. But the truth is, y'all know this, having sat under cravings, I want more. If you, if you interviewed a billionaire or a group of billionaires sitting on the front row right now and you said, are you satisfied? Unless they are in Christ. The truth is, if you put them on a lie detector test, they would say no. Why? I want more. 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 Why? We have sinful cravings and desires. But I want y'all to get this. Things aren't sin. Craving them over God is when sin comes in the world. It, sex, not sin. Pornography, is my cravings not being in the right place, so it becomes sin. Money, not sin. 
me wanting that over the Lord, and so I want more and I want to build my kingdom, becomes sin. That's the difference. All things under God are good. We make them bad because of our cravings. And he says, look, godliness with contentment is how you can have great gain. And so I, I just want you to think right where you sit. What is the most content I've ever been in my life? And this is what I find funny. The people that I talked to this week, it wasn't when they were the richest. And maybe for you it is, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. But most likely, if at the time that you were wealthiest, you were the most content, it was because that was the time in your life where you were in Christ and you were so intimate with him that he met your needs. Because the truth is you cannot have contentment outside of your relationship with the Lord. And, interestingly, almost everyone that I talked to said it was when they were the poorest. Lee and I, man, when we first got married, we worked those boxes of oodles and noodles. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The ramen noodles were off the chain. We had like a system, spaghetti. Y'all remember the spaghetti? It was like the food stamp brand of, of tomato sauce. It didn't even have meat in it. Y'all know what I'm talking Some of y'all, the poor people like me, when we grew up, like y'all know, in our 20s, man, we struggled. We were so happy. Like we struggled with each other. We struggled, but we were happy, genuinely happy. We didn't have a big house and we didn't have a new car. And it's funny because we were happy. And I talked to people this week that lived in another country and they lived in, um, the, it's called the bush. And they were happy and they didn't have anything. And happiness isn't the key, although I do like that song. But it's contentment. And true joy doesn't come from my stuff. It comes from the Lord. Because godliness plus peace means I have great gain no matter what my life looks like. For we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of the world. Do you know, this is what I thought of when I read this verse. I've never met a person on their deathbed that ever, and I've talked to a bunch of people. In our job, you don't have a choice. You talk to people right before they're going to pass. I've never, ever met someone that said, man, if I'd have just had a little bit more, if I'd have just had a little bit more money, man, like I really think my life would have mattered. Never, honest to God, never met one person. If I'd have just had that one promotion, my life would have mattered. I've never met one. Every single person, if I'd have spent more time with my family, I wish I'd have known the Lord more. Everyone, every single one with no exceptions that I've ever talked to, want to talk to me about the Lord. Never, dude, if I'd have just made more money, man, I'd have been good. It's crazy. You know why? I brought nothing into this world and I'm taking nothing out. That casket that we bury people in, they all look the same. It's interesting, that billionaire and that person that had absolutely nothing, they get buried in the same looking thing. I don't care if yours has gold on it and theirs is made of wood. Ultimately, it's the same. And it's very interesting that we brought nothing out or we can take nothing out because we brought nothing in. And so ultimately what matters, my great gain is defined by what truly makes one content. And if I am seeking it, if it's what I'm doing. But if we have food and clothing with these, we should be content. It says with these we will be, but I'm saying we should be because we're often not, are we? Because Paul says we will be, I can guarantee it. But those who desire to be rich, now check this, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. He's not saying it's a sin to be rich. Don't miss this. It's not a sin to be rich. He said those who desire, meaning if your cravings, if your awareness, if your focus, if your objective is to be rich, you fall into a trap, a temptation, into a snare, like a rabbit in a trap or like an animal in a trap. That is the desire to be rich over everything else. And it's crazy because 
Every single billions and billions of dollars that are spent, they're spent so that it makes us crave, that it? it makes us want, 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 want. Why? So, because that's what we got to do, right? I need to have that if I can just get that. Y'all remember growing up as a kid, I can, my six-year-old right now, Daddy, I just got to get the American Girl doll. If you have a little girl, she probably wants that stupid doll. It's crazy. If you don't have a little girl, you don't know what I'm talking about because I really don't want to know what I'm talking about, right? That's all she wants, and I want her to have it because I love my baby girl. But it's crazy. It's all she wants. And I'm like, why does she just want that? And I'm like, Mark, shut up, because you're just the same way, right? Because you crave things, you just don't say it out loud and whine. Or maybe I do. And it's because I fall into a temptation and a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. But we're, we're in it when we lack the proper awareness to look around and see, am I right or am I wrong? Am I balanced in my life? Am I walking the line that God has designed for me to do because he has created me just like he wants to do? Or are my desires pulling me completely toward that thing? It is not a sin to be rich. Money isn't bad but this is what Paul said this is what Paul said for the love of money the love not money the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains it's through the desire of our stuff that we have lost the awareness of God listen forgive me because this is gonna sound kind of uh, some of y'all whatever we don't need to take this country back. I love America. I was so happy to land after 12 and a half hours in the air. Anybody's happy to land. And like, but I love, I was so happy to be in America. I'm grateful to be an American, but we don't have to take this country back. This, we, we in this room need to have proper awareness when it comes to Jesus. And then when we do, start having proper awareness when it comes to the people around us so that we can reach them with the gospel that is in us. And then when they do, they reach people with the gospel in them. And we don't have to worry about America because when we change our culture and we change their culture because they want what we have, we no longer have to worry about America because we saturate America with the culture. We can't take something back that we're not smoking. They're not going to want to buy what we're not smoking ourselves. I want what we have, and I want it to be what we're about. But the problem is, this oftentimes defines us, or excuse me, this oftentimes doesn't define us because we don't flee these things. This is what Paul described that we should do. But so many times, this is not what I am. I don't flee because I want. And then I'll throw in a little pepper on top of it, a little salt, and try to season it up and make it sound better. Yeah, 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 Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark. I know, but, but I've got to, like, I'll give him Sunday. It's cool. It's cool. But the rest of the week is mine. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't care if you disagree with this because you can be wrong, right? Uh, you can't give God this and this and even your wallet and your phone and your Facebook because you used to have problems on Facebook and not give him this. It's not enough. It's never enough. Listen to me. God did not design you in his image, like Genesis 1.27 says, to not want all of you. He wants all of you to be under all of him so that you can fall under his lordship and look at him and say, you know what, I have wrecked this bus, but I believe your way is better, and I'm going to trust you. So in Israel, let me read this last verse, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And this is what we should pursue, righteousness and godliness, faith, love, 
steadfastness and gentleness. And I'm going to close with verse 18 and 19. But I want to just tell you this as a picture of what I believe we are. And I don't mean necessarily you individually, but for some of you I do for sure. On my trip, I'm telling you, I can't wait to tell you about it. Uh, by far the most life-changing thing that I've ever gotten to do um, in Israel. In three different encounters, I felt God tell me on the Mount of Arbel and on the Mount of Olives and on a city corner in Jerusalem at night that had no biblical meaning whatsoever. It was just me and two of my best pastor friends talking. I sensed the Lord tell me this, and I need y'all to get this, and you may not get this like I got this because I really believe that I heard from God. But this is what I heard God say, dude. I know that you believe you're not enough, but I need you to know that you are enough. Because so often what I've done is I've told God what I'm not. Dude, I, I'll never speak like him. I'll never, I'll never sound like that. I'll never quite be that kind of leader. I'll never, I'll never. And this was like a ton of bricks that hit me. And this is it right here. I need y'all to get this. This is it. And it wasn't sarcastic and God is not mean. But this is the message that I thought, I think I received. And I'm telling you, if God said it standing beside me, I wouldn't have been more clear. And it was three different occasions and three amazing places. Who do you think you are? Since when did I need you? To feel your life enough to have the overflow that we're starting next week in your life to be enough. Your awareness is so jacked up, dude. <laughs> Who's, who are your eyes on? What are you trying to fill it with? What are you trying to do? And then I started thinking, you know, whose house is this? Because <laughs> this is God's house. This is not my house. I am the pastor and I believe I'm called to be. But I'm a part of the body just like each one of you. And at the point that we believe what God has said to us, that we are in Christ, meaning completed, that on the cross he took on shame and he took on sin and death, that I am full and I'm, he's equipped me and he's ready to go, that it's enough. And it was amazing. And on my last day of my trip, um, our guide was named O'Fair and he was so funny. I want to hug him right now and kiss his bald head. He's a five, six Jewish man caramel skinned, just the nicest guy you'll ever meet, twin boys, Hastings age, just, just love him, you know, if you spend a week with somebody, they're like family, and um, so the last statement, this guy knows the New Testament, I, I am educated in the Bible, I went to school for it, I read it all the time, I want to read it so much more now, because I've seen it, you know, and this guy probably knows the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, five times better than me, five times at least, maybe more can take to show me places with a microphone in his hand and the last day I said and I don't remember the exact quote but we were talking to four or five of us and O'Fair was in the front and I said man isn't it good to know Jesus and you could just see his head kind of bow and I was like brother what's up with that and I, one of their guys said he doesn't know Jesus on the trip that had been with him many times before and I I got teary-eyed like I'm fixing to get now. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? I'll never know the Bible like you do. I, I, I don't think I can. Because every single day he sees it. He's in it. He knows it. He can tell you details on the details of what Jesus did. Details. Crazy details of what Jesus did. 
it's not about what you know. Now listen to me. It's not about what you know. His awareness, knowing everything that he knows, is null and void. It does not exist. Because he sees everything so clearly and can teach it so well. But he doesn't know Jesus. He knows it so much that if someone could know it good enough and get to heaven, it's oh fair, I'm telling you. But that's not it. That's not it. And with tears in my eyes, I looked at him and said, dude, why? Many men much greater than me and many ladies much greater than me, the way they know God's word, have spoken to him. The smartest man that I've ever met knowing God's word has sat with him that lives in Israel. So I was not going to talk him into it with my eloquent words. I just wanted to know why. And his answer to me, I don't know. I don't know. My heart right now is ripped out because I want to hug him and say, dude, it's free. But it's not about what you know. It's about being in Christ. It's about taking all the cravings that I have and saying they're yours. I let you fill me with contentment that I cannot have otherwise. I'm tired of running. I'm filled with everything. I've said prayers even. But I'm not going to keep asking Jesus into my heart over and over. I'm going to trust him with my life and follow him. I'm going to let him be Lord of my life. That's the ticket. I want you to just see how Paul closed, closed this message out. We're going to skip to verse 18. Look at what this says. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is true life. And this is the question, friends, that you must ask yourself as Paul said this. What is it that defines you? What, what is it that defines you? Because I want right now to look every one of you in the eye and tell you this is what God told me in light of what I just told you about over there. It will never be me. Listen. God punched me in the gut and it was good. It was not a bad punch. And he said, Mark, who are you to tell me what this house is going to look like? This is his house. Who are you to tell me what your life is going to look like? Trust me. Guys, my awareness has to be only in Jesus. And the minute that it's in anything else, I believe that I can do it. And when I say things like I'm not good enough, it is not humility. It is pride. Because I'm telling God what he's not, not telling him what I'm not. In you, Christ, he killed. He had a, he had a funeral for death and sin as soon as he took on the cross and as soon as he rose from the dead. The reason I tweeted out this morning the picture when I stood at the garden table last Monday is because that day he killed death for you. He killed sin for you. And he killed sin for me to honor the Father. That's why I have hope. Listen, we are going to change this community and flip it on its head and it will never be the same. But we're not taking back anything. We're going to them. We're changing everything. And it's not because of us. It's because of the God that lives inside of us. So when I leave, 
when it comes to my money. It is not about the money. It's about the God that we serve that's in us. Listen to me, friends. You, daughter. You, son. You'll never be enough. And you'll always try so hard and you'll never have enough. And you'll always try harder. But he is enough. And at the moment that I look at him and say, I need you. No longer do I need me. Contentment is not only possible, but it, Paul said it will happen. That godliness will be what it is me because there's no condemnation for those who are Jesus. Romans 8, 1. And I'll start looking at me and going, you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I used to be in high school. It doesn't matter what my nickname was in elementary school. It doesn't matter what my last marriage looked like. It doesn't matter. This is what matters. I'm in Christ. I know Him. And my awareness is flipped all over around. It's crazy and it's changed. And this is what I want to be known as. A follower of Jesus Christ. When someone looks at me, I don't want them to say He speaks well. I don't want them to say He's funny. I want them to say that dude knows Jesus because He's content. And I want people to see us and the culture that we want to change what I was talking about earlier. It's not being cool. It's not wearing buckle jeans. But that's it. Who cares? It's Jesus. That's the answer. We have the hope of glory. And it's serious. And I'm never going to be the same. I messed up like crazy. Because we have the hope of glory. So listen to me right now. This is the invitation. Some of you are sitting in your seats and I know that God is pulling at your heart because this is the truth. Look at me. This is the truth. You are not content. There is one reason for a lack of contentment. My heart is not where it should be when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. Period. In all circumstances, rich and poor, in prison, in awful things, I can be content if I am in Christ Jesus. If I have food and I have water and have a place to lay my head, or even if I don't, I can be content. And so this is our offering for you. This is what we want to give you. The opportunity to trust the Lord Jesus as your Savior. For the first time in your life, I believe there's people in this room right now that are going to say yes to Jesus. And what that means is you know that He took on sin and death. He died on the cross. You know that what you do is wrong, but you are giving it to Him and letting Him do no sin become your sin so that you can be righteous in Him. And it's simply looking at Him and saying, I give you everything. That is salvation. And that's what is going to come to some of you today. And so this is what I want to know. How many of you would say, Pastor Mark, I am not content. The truth is, I've never given my heart and life to Jesus. And right now, I want to do that. Right where you sit, with people looking around, I want you to throw your hand up as high as you can. I believe there's people in this room that do not know Jesus. And I want you right now in front of people listening. If you won't do it here, there's not going to be a better place or a better time. If he's pulling at your heart, you throw your hand up as high as you can. Right this second, you say, I need Jesus right now. That's what I need in my life. Just throw it up as high as you can. And say, I need Jesus. And I want him to save my life. Save my soul. I want Jesus. Every person in this room, this is the invitation. I am hopeful that all of you know Jesus, but this is the invitation. Guys, we're never, ever, ever going to be the same. Because from this day forward, we will pursue with passion Jesus. So every person that wants that, every person that wants that, every person that desires to not be unsatisfied 
to not have to not have their their uh, awareness just so jacked up and not knowing and what fills them is like Ray and my desires never get full. I want Jesus to be what satisfies me. If you're a Christian in here and that's what you desire, I'm just inviting you with everyone else. We are going to change this community. And we're going to change the world. But it's not about what we are. It's about the fact that the day that I met Jesus, I was enough. And he wants that a lot more than we ever will. So if you want to join this army that I believe is going to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people for Jesus, I just want you to stand with me right now. Stand with me all over the room. Say, Pastor Mark, dude, I want to reach. I'm, I'm with you. And it's not about us. It's about him who is in us. Thank you.